Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. Hey, I'm sure by now you're aware of programmatic ad tech, but what is it exactly? Programmatic advertising, in some ways, is really anytime you're using software and data to make your media buying decisions. We see it in display ads, in CTV, programmatic digital out of home, and of course, audio. And new ad technologies are coming out every day. Actually, what you're hearing right now is a type of programmatic ad, or at least a hybrid. It's not programmatic in the sense that a piece of software is buying this ad right now in a real-time bidding auction, but it is programmatic in the sense that it was bought through a buying platform that matched the advertiser to this podcast. And who is the advertiser? Grapeseed Media. When it comes to the world of programmatic, they're one of the companies that knows the most about the latest advances in all programmatic. Their whole mission is programmatic that lets you play with the giants. They open the door and walk you through the entire programmatic landscape. They're the closest thing possible to an in-house programmatic team without the expense and trouble of an actual in-house team. They're completely tech agnostic, which means they sit on all ad technologies, including emerging ones, like the platform they use to serve this host red ad. If you're curious to take your programmatic further, reach out to them at grapeseedmedia.com. And thank you, Grapeseed Media, for being a sponsor of this podcast. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that takes a look at film, technology, pop culture, social media, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I'm Shana Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. We have a very exciting show this week, and it's not about what you think. I know I mentioned social media at the top of this. We are we are not going to touch on that. We do not have the time to touch on all things Twitter, but um, we are coming off the back of a very fun European event, and I am joined by two of my favorite colleagues to debrief and tell us all of the good goss that came out of Europe at uh, Social Media Week Europe and Brand Week Europe. Joining me today is Brittany Kiefer, European European creative editor. Hello, Brittany. Hi, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Oh, always, always. And Rebecca Stewart, Europe Brands editor. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, good to be here. If there's any proof that time is a myth, um, just yesterday the three of us were talking about Cannes. It feels like we were on this very show talking about what to expect at Cannes. And now we are back talking about another European convention. I, it, it really just dawned on me that we, it feels like we just convened, but it was like months ago. It, it felt like can part two. <laughs> I was going yeah. to ask if it felt a little bit like can part two. But without the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dis, dismal weather. But the programming did a really great job of making up for that. It was 
a really robust week with a really lean team. And I'm really excited to um, just sort of dig into all of that. So first and foremost, can you tell us a little bit about the prep that went into Social Media Week Europe? Because that is a, how many days is that? It was three days um, and each day had a different theme. So yeah, there was a lot of conversations around who we wanted to speak there. Um, It was kind of a mixture of brands, agencies, some platforms, um, and some kind of unexpected people actually, which we can come on to later. But yeah, lots of prep went into it from a kind of editorial perspective. Um, Brittany, you've been kind of planning it since the start too. Yeah, it feels like we've been talking about this event since I joined Adweek in 2021 and in June 2021. So it's been a long time in the making. And we should give a shout out to our colleague Stephen Lepetak, because he really put a lot into it. He's not able to join us for the podcast today, but he he did a lot of work and behind the scenes as well. So it was a big team effort. Yeah, you mentioned that this feels like there was, this has been in the making since 2021, and it kind of has. Like Brand Week Europe, this is the first time that we've done this um, on the brand side. Obviously, Brand Week is a big event here in the States. Um, but to take that uh, across the pond was a huge effort. And as you mentioned, um, Stephen was very essential in getting that together. We, he would have joined us here today, but he is traveling back and he probably d- deserves a few weeks rest. So <laughs> not that you two don't, uh, but uh, he's was definitely very key in, in getting all of that up and running. Um, during that planning process, were there... This is going to feel like a silly question because obviously the environment um, in our industry changes from day to day. But were there any conversations that you were anticipating during the prep process? I think that we knew there would always be a lot of conversation around Web3 and the the metaverse, which I was dreading a little bit because I still don't understand it completely. (laughs) Most people don't. But um, it was actually that was very illuminating. I learned a lot. And I think also in the few days or week ahead of it, we all the Twitter stuff was going down. So we were curious to see how that would come up as well. Anything to add, Rebecca? Um, Yeah, I just think echoing what Britt said, like Web3 was always going to be a kind of huge theme this year um, and creators too and where they fit into Web3. But also how they're building communities across all the different platforms they need to be on now. And we actually had quite an interesting conversation with TikTok about that. So, yeah, creators and Web3, I'd say, were the two big, big themes. And Twitter, of course, came up a little bit. But most brands didn't have a plan yet. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of threw a wrench in everything. One, I love how every time the three of us get together, there is a very, like, reluctant mention of Web3. We probably... get to a place where we embrace it and it's not out of not wanting to understand it's just literally there is it it's still so much up like there's so much up in the air when it comes to web3 especially now with crypto kind of kind of crashing right before our eyes it was a this was a very very different conversation at the top of the year because i mean i know we're having a european conversation but in the states during the super bowl there was such a robust presence of crypto advertising and it just seemed like it was planting its flag in a really really fundamental way and now not even a full year later 
there's this discussion of like, what's next? Did that come up at all um, during the event in terms of like how this conversation is shifting and how that impacts um, how we look at Web3? Yeah, so crypto came up quite a lot and we um, had Hadi Rafiq from OKX, he's CMO there, come and talk to us. So that was quite interesting and he actually touched on what's happening with FTX, um, which has just crashed actually while we're recording this podcast, I think. But yeah, he was saying, you know, at the start of the year, crypto was, you know, on a meteoric rise and of course you know it's it's all changed since then and he just said you know you never know what's around the corner and it's quite a bullish industry there's lots of bull runs he said that was his quote I think so they're kind of trying to build trust in crypto which I think is a really challenging job in today's market so it was interesting to hear him talk about that and yeah it felt like it kind of tied a lot of things up that had been spoken about in the previous day um, around crypto and, and cryptocurrency and Web3. And Brittany, how did your conversations go um, surrounding crypto and tech? We didn't get so much into crypto, but on the first day of Social Media Week, I interviewed Lindsay McInerney, who's a kind of leader in web the Web3 space, and she runs Six Wall, which is part of Mila Kunis's company, actually. And so she focuses a lot on the intersection of Web3 and entertainment. And then also on the panel was Tina Zeigler, who's a contemporary art curator, but she's got into NFT art and she's a Web3 brand consultant as well. And so they were talking about it more from the perspective of creators and artists and how Web3 could help empower creators and kind of shift more of the balance of power in favor of them. And some of the ways that would do that is by making it possible for there to be more transparency throughout the whole process of partnering with brands and, and art galleries, for example. So that could be in the way that monetary compensation happens, but also allowing artists, for example, to not go through the traditional ladder of like, you know, getting represented and then, you know, go, showing your work in a gallery like you can have a more direct relationship with your fans and collectors as well and Lindsay said which was a good quote for a long time the relationship between creator and brand has been completely broken but she pointed out that creators fans and communities make a brand what it is and so this these new technologies through various ways could allow there to be more equity and well equality across the board in how brands work with creators and also have more of a collaborative relationship with them so they're not just building a brand on their own but they're working with these creators and fans to kind of co-collaborate on what a brand could be so I thought that was really interesting and I don't think they had all the answers about how exactly that would look but that they were optimistic about what that could bring and let's see. Let's see how it transpires. Yeah, I think that even with kind of like our reluctance to talk um, robustly about like crypto and Web3, there is this really exciting component to Web3 where it's like it's helping to usher in the creator economy. Like mm-hmm. a lot of those uh, brand deals are going through Web3. Web3 is kind of like making it possible for them to have like these um, really cool opportunities. I know Roblox um, worked with a lot of creatives or creators rather 
just recently, and they had like a whole award show within the metaverse. And so watching that help watching that be a component in the growth of the creator economy has been pretty interesting. I'm wondering if you guys had any interaction with our creator network. We had um, members of Adweek's um, creator network there present to do interviews and just generally participate. So um, did you guys have any interaction with them over there? Yeah, we did. So Abraxas, who's this legendary creator, um, he just brings so much energy into the room, actually. He was amazing. He was great. And he was just running around, speaking to everyone, getting the best kind of quotes and sound bites out of the guests after they came off the stage. The speakers, sorry, after they came off the stage. And yeah, he was just brilliant. And yeah, there was lots of creators running around doing the same. So there should be lots of good content on social from the event. And yeah, they were brilliant. Abraxas had a lot of fun at um, Brain Week Miami, too. It was very much... (laughs) A joy to see um, the creators there and, and kind of be in their element. I don't know if anyone has had an opportunity to watch creators work. It is pretty stunning, actually. I actually caught my first whiff of that at Cannes, like seeing them like actively create TikToks and yeah. see, like, how they really attack that moment and take advantage and turn that into content in real time is pretty stunning. It's I think people that don't understand it are quick to make fun of it. Um, but if mm-hmm. anyone who's ever tried to create a TikTok is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I have given birth. <laughs> like, I had a way easier time with childbirth than putting out one TikTok. I have one TikTok, and that is it. And it was from, like, a year ago, and I never what's went back. Your, what's your one TikTok What's your TikTok? We, so we got these... <laughs> We got these Mountain Dew room sprays. <laughs> Mountain oh Dew did this like stunt where they created these room sprays in conjunction with their Baja Blast line. Um, and we didn't get an opportunity to write about it because they arrived after the promotion ended. So there was really nothing we could write about. But it was just such an odd bit of PR for me to get that I was like, I have to tell people that this thing exists at the very <laughs> least. So I did a TikTok about that and it took me so, so long, such a long time for three minutes. I would actually watch a TikTok, like an entire TikTok channel dedicated to the weird things that trade journalists receive. That's what I wanted to do. Could be a niche. Yeah, that's what yeah. I really want to do because we get like a ton of PR and we can't cover it all. And so I wanted to do that. And I was like, I, I can't dedicate two hours to <laughs> a three minute video every time I get a w- weird bit of PR. But I, I this will probably, now I have to like hold myself accountable. I've now talked about it and made it public. Maybe yeah, I should yeah. try I want to more like. Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for creating that, <laughs> for um, creating that buzz for me. I can, I should probably blame Abraxas now for that. <laughs> this conversation. But. And talking. I'm sorry, talking about TikTok creators, so we had Poppy O'Toole, um, who's a Michelin star chef turned TikToker, and basically the content she makes, I can only describe it as potato ASMR. <laughs> the best, yeah. Who doesn't want that has... in their lives? <laughs> I know, I, I mean, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole after I discovered Poppy, but she was an amazing person to have on stage. She was talking about... Um, how she creates her content and 
and how becoming a creator has kind of led her into TV. So she's now judging. Um, it's almost like the UK's version of Top Chef, Master Chef, mm. um, Juniors. Uh, and she's always on like the the cooking weekend cooking shows and stuff. So she was talking about how TikTok has like democratized that route um, to celebrity chefdom almost, which was really interesting. And yeah, she was talking about making potato videos so you should check that session out if you haven't seen it already and yeah watch some of her videos and didn't she lose her job during the pandemic and tiktok has opened up this whole new world for her and brought her all these cool opportunities so that was inspiring to hear her talk about and she was part of like this very this very like niche potato movement that was happening on tiktok (laughs) but like when you think about that from a creator perspective that's like money in the bank they're if you go yeah. through even now, like a lot of those potato videos have like millions of views because who doesn't love potatoes? Who doesn't love crispy potatoes? And who doesn't love videos about crispy potatoes? So, so true. So it feels like the more niche you get on TikTok, the better. <laughs> yeah, you just got to find yeah. something butter. Um, <laughs> shoe. There's like a whole butter TikTok that's thriving. And so like this is why it was so interesting to have these discussions now uh, on like this sort of global stage, even though of course you know, this was not not a modest event. There were like over a thousand attendees, um, but to sort of have these conversations about like just how much the sort of creator economy is blossoming and changing is really really interesting. To have like a potato ASMR creator give valuable, valuable advice on like branding and creating is pretty extraordinary. I'm wondering um, for you both, you both got to moderate quite a few panels. Did you, was there any particular conversations that you had on stage that really stick out to you even now? I think my personal favorite, they were all great, but I spoke to Ferdaus El Hansali from Dove. And I've spoken to Dove quite a few times in the past, and a lot of people will remember their Real Beauty campaign, which first launched in 2004, and they've done a lot of work in that vein to talk about different definitions of beauty and champion more authentic representation of women. Um, And that's led them to the space they're in now, which is talking about social media and its negative impact Mm -hmm. on Girl, girls and women's self-esteem. And there's a lot of research that they and other people have done to back this up and show how it can have a harmful effect on people. And they've done they've addressed that through campaigns like Reverse Selfie in 2021. Um, but Ferdaus called on other brands to recognize this issue. And specifically, the way they work with influencers is they, they expect the influencers they work with and it's even built into their contracts to not do any digital distortion. And Mm -hmm. so they were asking other brands and advertisers to kind of follow suit and be really careful about these relationships with influencers because it's obviously it's a trendy thing in marketing, but there's a responsibility from brands to think about how, how they're doing that. So I thought that that really stood out to me. That's amazing. Especially as we get like increasingly more digital, it's going to be really um, key to set those regulations up at the top because so much is going to exist online. Um, and of course, Twitter throws a wrench in that and we're going to get into that in a second. But I think uh, just sort of setting that standard is so important. So it's nice that 
a major company like that was sort of calling fellow brands to action there. And um, being able to do that on the brand week stage is pretty key. Um, Rebecca, how about you? Um, a highlight for me was a session I chaired on uh, during brand week, and it was on green washing and green hushing. And we had two brands. We had Deborah Darlington, who's CMO at the Cooperative Bank, which is kind of like a smaller challenger high street bank in the UK. And we had David Heyman, who's campaign director at Make My Money Matter, which is a a campaign that's trying to get people to move their pensions. Um, And that's because there's a lack of awareness around where banks and pension funds invest money. Um, A lot of them invest in fossil fuel heavy industries or carbon heavy industries. And um, David kind of done a little test with the audience where he asked people, you know, how many of you have a pension? Everyone's hand went up. And the hands got, you know, there was less and less hands basically as he asked more questions. Do you know who your pension is with? Do you know where your money goes? And it kind of illuminated this lack of consumer awareness around where people's money is going and what is funding. You know, um, he said that, you know, you can you can stop flying or you could start cycling to work every day and it still wouldn't make a dent versus moving your pension or changing bank accounts. So that was really interesting. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. And it was... Yeah, me neither. And I think most people in the audience didn't. So I I think like from a consumer viewpoint in the audience, it was even an interesting session. Um, But for marketers, there was a discussion in there around greenwashing and making sure that if you're making claims around your sustainability credentials, that they're robust. And Deborah actually suggested in the UK that we move towards a system where ads almost have a badge on them, um, like a verification, a stamp of verification to say this campaign has been checked, the language has been checked, mm. you know, whether that's around net zero um, or, yeah, sorry, carbon zero or net zero, whatever. The, the language is complex too, that's another issue. But basically, Deborah's suggestion was stamp a stamp of approval um, so that consumers could understand that a, a green claim or a sustainability claim they were seeing in an ad was authentic. So that's the kind of point we're at, is that the line is so blurred for brands, they can say what they want, really, around sustainability without being checked. So that that's a huge issue, and it needs to change. So I think next year we'll probably have a follow-up conversation on that. Sustainability was actually a really big theme, and I, two sessions on that note that I wanted to call out were... Um, Polestar, the electric car brand that's part of Volvo and they're they're, uh, based in Sweden. The CMO spoke with us about how they communicate more transparently around sustainability. Also, they don't just talk about sustainability. They see themselves as a luxury design brand, but they talk about their sustainability credentials differently than other car brands because other electric car brands would say we're we're carbon neutral and, and Polestar is very careful not to use some of these buzzwords until they can back it up. So they're an interesting one to look at. And then also the amazing Connie Brahms from Unilever. She did a session and she talked about a lot of different stuff, but she specifically at one point said there is a difference between sustainability and brand purpose. A lot of brands act as if sustainability is their purpose. And she said sustainability is how we do business that goes across our whole Mm. value chain. That's just how any company should be doing their business. Brand purpose is a marketing tool. 
So let's not confuse the two. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps, to connected TV and off-site media across web and social, to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. Yeah, that was so that was so interesting how she made a a distinction there, because I've never heard Unilever say that, actually. (laughs) I love that there that distinction was made. I think that that's kind of where the conversation is going um, in terms of purpose marketing is just finally making distinctions about how that should look and how we should regard that, because it has become very convoluted and it's become very like clouded with. All the different washings, green washing. Uh, all the different washings. All the different washings, <laughs> rainbow washing, just the, the whole set, mind you. So it's it's. I'm glad that that distinction is being made now in a public forum. Um, I want to touch real quickly, Rebecca, um, on Adidas, because I know that they came on the stage and that's, I think, the world is sort of watching them still continuously to kind of explain kind of their line of reasoning when it came to dealing with um, Kanye's anti-Semitism. So it's it's interesting that they were able to do that. One, there I think there was a wonder as to like whether or not they were going to touch on that, right? And then they addressed it on the stage. Yeah, we were so happy that Vicky could make it along and um, she literally got on stage and addressed it straight away before the session even began, which I thought was so important because it would have just been the elephant in the room. Um, And she kind of just reiterated what Adaras had said already. So, you know, our conviction is clear. She said that they don't support anti-Semitism, racism or hate speech. And she just basically you know, reiterated the point that they made in the original statement and said there's no question about that. But she did offer a little bit of insight into some of the conversations that were going on behind the scenes. Um, She said the reality was it was a complex situation and she kind of referenced the fact that Adidas had employees, partners and production factories that were all impacted by the decision that it eventually made. And she said that, you know, she stood by it, it was the right decision, but it had to be approached with diligence and care. And there were a lot of people involved. And she, her quote was, we took the time necessary to make the right decisions. And I'm personally proud to stand by that decision. We'll always stand on the side of love, not hate. So that was before she got into her session. Um, I thought it was important they addressed it. And 
you know, she didn't give too much detail, but obviously, you know, it was clear that the the deal was huge with Kanye. And probably internally there were lots of legal conversations, lots of contractual conversations. I, I, yeah, I just think there was a feeling among consumers that they didn't move fast enough. Mm-hmm. But that was her explanation for that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's important to at least address it and to acknowledge that that did take some time. I guess we can have our own opinions as to whether or not that was a quick enough response. Uh, of course, legal things or legal issues are always going to be a huge component anytime you have to make a huge pivot. And some brands are still able to move quickly despite that. Um, but obviously with this being the, the magnitude of this deal obviously is going to have a huge impact as well. So it's going to take a little bit more time to sort of weave through and uh, all of those details and, you know. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting too because they opened the session um, by showing a video of their new partnership with Stormzy. So they've launched um, a project with Stormzy to get more underrepresented kids into football, which is amazing. And I think she, I think our ad at us, we're really trying to set the tone like this is where we're going now. Mm. And this is our new, this is the kind of partners that we want to work with in the future. So, yeah, I guess, like, watch the space. They had their earnings call the same day Vicky was on stage. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a pretty big hit for them. Mm-hmm. So just need to wait and see, really. I mean, I imagine that they will ultimately be fine. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> imagine that this is going to be uh, a huge stopper in the, the Adidas train. So it's it was um, good to see that they had an opportunity to at least address that and to set that straight. Um, I want to talk um, real quickly before we um, depart about uh, Brand Week Europe, because this is the first time that we've done this. What Can we talk a little bit about everything that went into making this happen and sort of our takeaways from that day? Yeah, so hopefully this is just a teaser for more people to come back next year and maybe Brand Week Europe can expand into an actual week one day. (laughs) But it was really exciting to bring what is a huge event in the U.S. to these shores for the first time. And we had some really good speakers um, and a wide range of topics as well. So everything from someone from Indeed.com talking about job trends and hiring trends and marketing to... um, someone from Rebecca who did you oh you Rebecca you spoke to PlayStation you that was your greenwashing session as well on the same day um I spoke to the British retailer Asda about their Christmas ad with the film Elf so yeah there are a lot of um topics that we got through and I think there's so much more to explore next year yeah definitely it was such a good mix of speakers and yeah, ending it on the Will Ferrell Asda um, <laughs> Christmas ad was so fun. And I th- yeah, I thought it was a fun day. Like there was lots of lively conversation. Um, the speakers were all up for it and kind of happy to be there and meet the ad week team. So that was really nice to see. And yeah, the room was full all day. So it was it was great. The highlight for me was probably the Unilever session with Connie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as Britt said, I spoke to PlayStation about... Um, you know how they market the the brand around community and stuff like that so that was cool and Isabel from PlayStation has been there since the PlayStation 1 launched which is so rare for a CMO mm-hmm. so it was great to just sit down with her 
Well, one, I hope I get to go next year. Yes, we'd love to have yes, you. Yes, please. The venue looked amazing. The energy looked really, really incredible. Um, and all this, all this all the while, mind you, is happening against the backdrop of, like, major Twitter chaos. Yeah. What was <laughs> the conversation, like, overseas surrounding that? Because obviously this is going to be a huge wrench in quite a few uh, brands' plans. I think on the floor, <laughs> like during the networking breaks and stuff, there was a lot of uh, conversation, you know, happening live as Elon tweeted and made changes. And um, obviously it was it's, it's very sad that lots of people are losing their jobs and half the global workforce has just been cut like that. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of reflection on that. But on stage, brands were still figuring things out. Most brands were say, said they were taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, General Mills were there. They, they're one of the brands that's already paused advertising. You can understand that. They're a family brand. Mm-hmm. They don't want a ad for Old El Paso next to a right-wing meme, um, right. which is fair play. So, yeah, there was most of the brands that I saw speak on stage were quite tentative about it and just said we need to wait and see i don't know if you heard anything different Britt. yeah it just struck me that it was also the it was the same week as the midterm elections in the u.s meta also announced it was laying off a huge amount of staff and i don't think it's the same nearly the same percentage as twitter but still really sad for the people who lost their jobs there and it just feels like a lot is changing and I think next year, some of the conversations we have around these platforms could be totally different. Will we even, will Twitter even be relevant then? Like, will there be, you know, the new platforms that we're talking about? I think it'll be interesting to see that play out. It is wild how legitimate of a question that is. Like, will Twitter, by this time next year, will Twitter even be a thing? We don't know. Like, I don't even know if it's going to be a thing. It's changing by the day. It might not be a thing next week. It really, like, we could come back Sunday and be like, well, I guess I'll take a crocheting. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I've always it's, wanted to learn how to knit, so. It's, it's, it is. Can I just, mm-hmm. no, sorry, I was just going to say, can I just say that I didn't see anyone using Be Real or what's the other new platform, Mastodon? Everyone was still tweeting the event. That's, that's a good point, yeah. I well, mean, people probably don't know where to go, you know? <laughs> Be Real, I tried it for a day. And already I was like, I can't be real. <laughs> like my, my apartment's a mess right now. I cannot be real. I'm so sorry. And then like it just too much pressure. So it, and this was even like a conversation at Brand Week Miami, which was just in September, was like, how are brands going to migrate on this particular app? Because it is like the antithesis of advertising. You don't have an, an opportunity to curate. You don't have that chance to you know really create something um because you have to react in that moment and now just months later not even a conversation like not even yeah a part of of brand week uh europe is pretty uh interesting and mastodon girl i don't know i don't know what's going on with mastodon i i won't be there i tried back in 2017 it did not work out for me also, I would love for you to make a be real about your TikTok journey. <laughs> like you're 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 in the middle of making a TikTok and you have to do a be real. <laughs> yes, sweet. So tune in to be real to watch me, Shannon Miller crying because she can't figure out how to add sounds. Um, yeah, that's really promising. Really also, promising. Also, Abraxas from our creator network, he got his start on Clubhouse. 
And I was like, wow, I totally forgot about Clubhouse, but that was a big thing at, at a time and, and nothing's really filled that gap of social audio. So I don't know. I mean, what will we, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know what we'll be using next year. <laughs> well, even like in the social audio space, like I feel, I find that Twitter spaces are far more prevalent now than Clubhouse, but Clubhouse was the huge, huge thing around like November 2020, I guess. Yeah, yeah it was like, during the, you know, the height of the pandemic, I would say. Yeah. And now it's, I mean, it's not defunct. It might as well be, but it's just, you know, what will social media week 2023 even look like when half of the social media is coming in and out um, at whim? It's going to be really, really interesting. So my my final question to you both is kind of looking to the future. What would you hope to see? Like, is there a particular conversation that you would like to have at next year's event? I know so much can happen between now and then, but pie in the sky, like who would you like to speak to or what would you like to speak about at the next event? I want Stormzy to come to the next one. <laughs> and I want someone like that to come and talk about how how they work with brands. I also, what struck me when you were saying, you know, what platform will we be using next year is how these creators, maybe someone started on Clubhouse or they started on, uh, I don't know, MySpace. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I don't think that's relevant anymore. But like that they continue to pivot and and change what they create and how they speak to people and just find like new aspects of their creativity, no matter what the platform is like the platform form feels less important to me than, than the creativity of these people who are, who are using it. And it almost doesn't matter where they go. Like they'll find new ways to reach audiences. Yeah. How about you, Rebecca? Yeah, I think there was a lot of conversation, obviously, around Web3 and um, most most marketers, um, you know, the, the phrase metaverse is so overused, it's such a buzzword. Most marketers, you know, acknowledge that the metaverse doesn't exist yet. So I'd like to see where we're at with that next year. Um, and I'd actually like Meta to come along and talk about their vision for the metaverse because they were the ones that started all this. <laughs> um, and I'd you know, everything that's happening there, there's so much change. And I'm, I'm yet to be convinced that anyone is building a metaverse, that people are going to be able to move freely around. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting topic. And I would also like Stormzy to come <laughs> to Brand Week. And I would like to add to that Stanley Tucci. Yes. Who is a tankery ambassador. I want him to come and on just, stage and make a Negroni. Yes, please. That was huge. Stanley, that was listening. huge during lockdown on Instagram. <laughs> that's, that's, um, these are incredible requests. Um, one, <laughs> we're just pie in the sky, like dream big. <laughs> <laughs> I too would like to see Stormzy and Stanley Chuchi. And if that's even close to being on the docket, that I'm going to insist that I be at Brand Week next year. Um, I would also not mind. Uh, having Taika Waititi come and speak because he he's be having great. he's having a very like aggressive presence in advertising this week. He has like yeah. a, a few things coming out um, in the advertising space that he's directed. So it would be really interesting to hear how this like A list director 
not transitioning into um, commercial because I feel like this isn't the first time that he's been in this space, but just what that differentiation is like. Um, also, I would like to drink a Stanley Tucci made Negroni with Taika Waititi and just live my best life. So, and Stormzy, just all of them and together Stormzy. and us <laughs> sipping Negronis. That's our vision for 2023. <laughs> and then we can have them on the podcast. Yes. And then <laughs> we can have them on the podcast. And this is why the three of us should just run a lot of things here. <laughs> Look at our vision. It's, it's quite incredible. Uh, Brittany, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really glad that you guys had such an incredible time and just the work and reporting that came out of there was so stellar. Um, I'm hoping that we get a chance to see more of those in person next year. And yeah, thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you, Shannon. Yeah, thanks, Shannon. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Ad Week Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media, meaningful connections.